so um yeah good morning i come to you in a bit of fear and trepidation um i'm following on from last week's excellent talk from rob when he spoke about um adultery and lust he gave a really good uh, recap and i, I don't want to uh, attempt to repeat it today so if you haven't heard his talk please do listen to it it's on the church website i'd encourage you to do that so today hopefully you've got your bibles uh, available to you um, or your devices so we're going to be looking at matthew chapter 5 verses 31 and 32 matthew chapter 5 verses 31 and 32 so that's the main uh, passage but we just to give you a heads up we will be looking into uh, deuteronomy 24 we will be looking at uh, matthew 19 uh, we will be looking at other passages as well, which I will say when we get to them. So, <clears throat> Jesus said this, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Just to uh, clarify that I'm reading from the New International Version. <clears throat> so I want to talk about Jesus for a little bit. Jesus is the most inspiring and challenging person that I know. Jesus continually calls me and us to another level when it comes to living life well for him and for his kingdom in this world. Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is inspiring, but oh so, so challenging. And I believe it is meant to be challenging. I don't believe it's meant to be condemning or crippling to us. There's a big difference between being convicted of sin and feeling condemned, feeling terrible and feeling rubbish. So I believe the challenge for each one of us to die to ourselves and live for Christ, our King and his kingdom is doable. We can do it. Otherwise, Jesus would not ask us to do it. So we can do all the things that Jesus wants us to do through him who strengthens us, through the grace that he puts on our life and enables us with, and by his spirit. And so it's it, when we come face to face with the challenges of the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> um, it's, it's not the job of the Sermon on the Mount to make us dwell on the past and beat ourselves up living in condemnation i've messed up so much you know what can i what can i do what's the point of going on it's not there to cripple us it's there to call us to follow the way of jesus it's it's there to inspire us to find out how we can live and to advance and move forward in living out the kingdom of god on this earth from this point on from today now i recognize that in speaking and thinking about divorce it's not an easy subject for us 
Um, I recognise that many of us, if not all of us, have had our lives touched by divorce. And divorce can deeply affect, affect us. It can affect our thinking. And so as I speak about this subject, it might stir up some things in us, might stir up pain or loss or anger or guilt, frustration. You know, I've no intention today or honestly any day to put condemnation on people. That's not my heart. That's not what I want to do. Um, so I don't I don't want anyone to feel condemned by anything I'm going to say today. But I do want us to be convicted by the Holy Spirit and I do want us to be challenged uh, by Jesus so that we can move forward following Jesus from this point today, a significant time and moment. So let's go back to the passage. Matthew chapter 5, 31, 32. Jesus said, it has been said. It has been said. So it has been said. So um, if we go back into our Bibles and look at Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 to to four and it says this about divorce and i realize that there's a lot of emphasis in in what we've listened to read what jesus is saying he's talking about he's really talking to men and uh, and he's talking to men now if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent in about her and he writes her a certificate of a divorce, he gives it to her and sends her from his house. And if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she's been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. This was a, a brutal time uh, for, for women, where men had all the power, all the influence, or the say, uh, they could get divorced and life was okay for them. However, for a woman, it would, it would just be absolutely tragic. I believe that the law uh, of Moses was brought in to protect women and to bring some order into the, uh, the chaos, uh, the madness of what was going on at the time where men were literally getting rid of their wives just throwing them out, throwing them out to the mercy of, of the street. The law was to stop them, if you like, using and, and abusing them and just dumping women. Being given a certificate of divorce meant that the woman was protected from being accused of committing adultery. Now, adultery carried the death sentence. So they're obviously not accusing their wives of, of adultery, but just of displeasing them. Um, a certificate of divorce meant that she could marry again if she wanted to. 
so that she could receive some protection and some provision in a another man's home. I also think that the law was there to make the men stop and think, actually, this is what I'm doing is quite serious. Like if I let her go now, um, just because of how I'm feeling at the moment, or just because she's spoiled my dinner this time, if I let her go now, if I divorce her now, then I can't have her back at a later time because he was forbidden to marry her again. And so it sounds to our ears and our Western minds and that it sounds a bit, it sounds barbaric, it sounds what is going on here. But I do believe that that law was there uh, as a protection. And at the time of Jesus, there was much debate uh, with the rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the everyone else's, according to which rabbinic law a man had to had the right. They were caught up. What is my right? How can I divorce my wife? But the woman had no such right to divorce her husband. All the husband had to do was to hand the, the certificate of divorce to her uh, in the presence of two witnesses, and then she was divorced. And as for the grounds of divorce, well, there were different interpretations, again, that were based on their reading and understanding of the word of Deuteronomy 24. So uh, according to uh, certain rabbinic schools, like there were some liberal um, schools and some more strict schools. One of the strict schools, schools led by Rabbi Shammai, Shammai, not sure how to pronounce his name, it meant a serious sexual offence. You can give your wife a certificate of divorce for a serious sexual offence. Whereas according to the liberal school led by uh, Rabbi Hillel, the husband could divorce his wife for any and every reason. And that, that could include gossiping in the street, losing her looks, having an unsightly mole on her face, uh, even like ridiculously putting too much salt in his soup. It was all weighed in 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 for selfish men, <laughs> you know. So the, apparently uh, the views of this school were more popular with men, surprisingly. And certainly that is what the Pharisees, uh, they lean towards it. And we find in, in Matthew chapter 19, so we're going to turn to Matthew 19, which is um, an expansion really of what we've been looking at in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. So I'm going to read out um, Matthew uh, 19. We're looking at verses 3 uh, to 9. And so verse 3 says, Matthew 19, verse 3, some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. Interestingly, Jesus did not answer their question straight away. He didn't give his view and opinion of that. Uh, the Pharisees, they wanted to talk about the divorce. They wanted to talk about a get out clause from their marriage. They wanted to talk about reasons why they could get rid of, of their wives. But Jesus, he wanted to talk about marriage, commitment, faithfulness. 
the Pharisees were showing that they had a low view on, on marriage, a low opinion of it, not a high view of it. All they were concerned about really was getting the legal bit right. So if I give her this certificate, I'm, I'm all right to be rid of her. Yeah, is that OK? What are the legitimate grounds for me to have this divorce? One reason, many reasons, any reason. What are you saying, Jesus? But Jesus, in his high view of marriage, takes them back to the beginning. Haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made the male and female. He was quoting Genesis chapter one, verse 27. And then he said, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, quoting Genesis 2, 24. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's what Jesus is saying. Now, this is the only time that I can think of, and I would, I would defer to Doug's wisdom regarding maths. It's the only time when one plus one equals one. One flesh. One union. Jesus is saying that marriage is instituted by God and it's an exclusive one man, one woman, permanent union. A union which God makes and people must not break. Jesus is saying this is serious. And the, the, uh, the Pharisees say to Jesus in verse 7, then why? Why, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Why did Moses command this? Jesus says, command? Moses didn't command. He permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Your hearts were hard. Your hearts were hard towards God and your hearts are hard towards your wives. They've got hard hearts. Jesus is, then says, it was not, but it was not this way from the beginning. I've permitted allowed divorce, but it was never meant to be this way. It was not my design. It was not my purpose. See, the Pharisees made a permission a cons uh, you know, God, if, if you're not muted, oh, there you go, mute, someone's not muted, great. Um, the Pharisees are trying to make what God, an allowance of God, a permission of God into a command. But Jesus said it's more of a concession, a permission. God allowed because of human weakness because of hard hearts it's because of your hard heart it wasn't that way from the beginning so god's original design is for one man one woman who become one flesh is to stay that way it's not meant to get divorced or separated then jesus i believe is expecting his reluctant permission 
to allow a man and a woman to get divorced. Okay, I don't think he's saying it as an option. I don't think he's saying it as a get out clause. I'm saying as a reluctant permission. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman commits adultery. So that that how it's interpreted, um, sexual immorality is a Greek word, pornea, where we get um, our word uh, pornography from, where the word uh, prostitute uh, comes from, and it, it it's used for sexual sin. It varying sexual sins. It's used um, to describe the unfaithfulness of Israel to a faithful God. The Pharisees were regarding um, divorce lightly, but Jesus was taking it seriously. And here he gives that one exception. Jesus is saying, look, you can get divorced, but it is not a command. It's a reluctant permission. It's a concession to allow for your human weakness, to allow for your hard hearts. You can get divorced, but you don't have to. Back to Matthew 5, verses 31 to 32. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus is saying that anyone who divorces their, their wife for any other reason other than sexual immorality makes her a victim of, adult, of adultery. Because the divorce, while they might be separated and apart, would not be valid in God's eyes. Because he sees that their, their one flesh union has not been broken. Now, I know that, well, there's been debate through Christendom about, about this, about what Jesus is saying, the exact interpretation. I'm sure there are loads of different views. Uh, and opinions. What I want to say is this. Jesus is focused on marriage and not divorce. Jesus affirms the sanctity of marriage. He has a high view of marriage. So that is what we should do. We shouldn't have hard hearts. We should have soft hearts. Soft hearts before God to honour God and soft hearts to honour one another, soft hearts to honour our wives and our husbands. God hates divorce, and divorce is never God's ideal. But though, although he hates divorce, I believe that God does love divorcees, right? as completely and as compassionately as anyone else. Just think of John, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 8 of John. If you want to turn to chapter 8 of John, and you, you find the most powerful, compelling story um, of forgiveness, but of leading into a right way as well. So if you remember, there's that woman, she's been caught in adultery and she's brought to Jesus 
by the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, to, to, to challenge Jesus, to catch Jesus out. She's been caught in the act of adultery. Interestingly, there is no man there who they've also caught, but they've caught this woman. And, um, you know, in the law of Moses, it commands us to, to stone such a woman, the death penalty. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus is not going to enforce the death penalty on her. He's not going to satisfy uh, their, their lust for their righteousness. He's saying, um, what about you? What about you? You who is without sin casts the first stone. And we're told that they, they, they leave and Jesus, he straightens up and he says to the woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. There's something about, uh, as I said earlier, about not, not so dwelling on the past that it cripples us, but meeting with Jesus, with where we're at, with what's going on, and asking for his forgiveness and help so that we move on free from condemnation, but to move on and live a righteous life. You know, Jesus upheld the rights of legally discarded women, legalistic men who want to divorce their wives for trivial reasons, had no sympathy with Jesus. He called women to be treated with dignity, not as objects to be sent packing on, on a whim or to be used to catch out a, a, a local rabbi. He just won't stand for that. You know, divorce often meant social, economic ruin for a woman at, at the time of Jesus. At the time of Jesus, a, a woman probably had three options um, if, she was, if she was divorced and thrown out. Option one, she could try and go and live with a relative, see if they would care for her, or at least let her be if like a house slave uh, and live with them. Uh, second option was maybe that she could get married uh, to another man or the third option if things were really desperate for her to become um, a prostitute because there was there was no structure no help to help uh, women that were being treated so badly like we like this idea we can just divorce you for any and every reason get out of our lives no says Jesus we live in a fallen, broken world. I believe that Jesus stands between the extremes of license and legalism. License saying in this situation, you know, I can divorce you for any and every reason. It is, it's, it's up to me. And legalism that says you can't divorce, you can't remarry. An unthinking, unloving, um, uncompassionate harshness that forbids any possibility of divorce. 
my computer sorry so he's there so he's not saying i get divorced but he is saying that there are reasons and we'll see in a moment that some people think that there are other reasons that we can divorce now the most common uh, approach view to this controversial divorce and remarriage issue has been the teaching that was first associated with someone by the name of Erasmus. Erasmus taught in 1519 that divorce was allowed if one person committed adultery and that the innocent party could remarry. He also said that if a Christian is deserted by a non-Christian, they can divorce and and if you i would encourage you to read through um one corinthians chapter seven the whole chapter has got things to to say about this issue and in the case of desertion remarriage was was usually um permissible and allowed there are lots of other approaches to divorce and remarriage some people saying that there's you you can't divorce that because um, in Luke and Mark, um, they don't Jesus. They don't quote Jesus giving any exceptions. They're just saying you can't divorce and remarry. Um, there are there are some people that b believe that what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount isn't that two people have got married and then one of them. Um, commits adultery but that the adultery took place before they were even married you know like when mary and joseph were betrothed to be married that is a a, a sincere commitment it, it's more than our engagement today and so some people argue that the the divorce that jesus is talking about there is when finding out that it was before they were committed together lots of debate lots of discussion lots of other approaches but my strong belief is this is that with god's help no marriage that is in trouble is beyond repair for whatever the reason god is able to rescue god is able to save god is able to heal any marriage where a man and a woman are willing to work it out i appreciate it's not always possible but with God all things are possible. My opinion is this, that we shouldn't focus on divorce or remarriage, but we should focus on Jesus. We should focus on being his disciple, his apprentice. We should have soft hearts so that we walk with God uh, in humility. We love others, we forgive others, that we are meek that we are poor in spirit god i need you that we're merciful that we're peacemakers that in our anger that we're not sinning if we're living by god's grace and by god's spirit following our master jesus it will be pretty difficult for us to initiate separation and divorce from the person that we're married to and if i'm if i'm honest i just feel for me personally divorce isn't an option so um if helen if you're listening this isn't a permission love but if helen was to go and commit adultery i i i'm i'm saying i'm within my rights to divorce her but as a jesus follower 
knowing what he says about love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion, I've got a really difficult job justifying personally that I could divorce Helen even if she did such a thing. Because I think that Jesus is calling us to a higher place. He's calling us back to the beginning. It was not so at the beginning. Like, I'm giving you this permission, but you don't have to get divorced. Work it out. Forgive. And those people that I know who have it by God's grace rescued uh, their marriage, I, I am humbled by them because I'm not saying it's easy. I think that to forgive someone that you're married to uh, for committing adultery um, has got to be the hardest thing going. But by God's grace, we can do it. And it might take time. It might work it out. But wow, what an amazing thing uh, to witness when you see someone living like Jesus, like in that way. It's humbling and amazing. It might be that we are at the end of it, that we're doing our very best, we're doing everything we possibly can, but we can still be on the receiving end of them wanting to divorce or separate us. Well, it comes to that, well, that's their business between God, but what are we doing? And I just want to say that marriage is really, really important. I don't in any way want to undervalue marriage. It's really important. But I want to say that marriage is is one answer to our aloneness. And I do believe that marriage in, in certain aspects of, of the church has been it's become idolatrous. I know it says it's not good for man to be, live alone. But it, I think it's been so put up there and people that are single are made to feel less than and not included. And I want to say that singleness is a really positive uh, option. I think that I've seen people that are in difficulty in marriage and they want to get divorced and then they want to run straight into another relationship. I think that part of our problems are caused by our immaturity and our selfishness and we need to work on ourselves and be well as a single person before we should get married. I mean, I, you know, some of the advice that I would give to people is don't rush into marriage. Wait, work it out. Are you? And I know, I know, I rushed into marriage. Helen and I got married after what six months or something like that. But there's something about taking our time and thinking through things well. I think singleness has been seen as less than rather than the high calling that it is. And I think we often forget that Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. So it's just just thinking about life differently. Um, that if we're in that position of, of not being married, marriage isn't always the answer. Maybe God wants us to be single. So. I do believe that selfishness is at the heart of broken marriages and broken relationships where apathy, indifference, laziness, not listening, not caring, not doing your bit. It can just creep in and before you know it, it can destroy a marriage. And I think we need to have our 
eyes open to the schemes of evil that would want to come against spoil ruin and destroy christian marriages and um and just be heads up be aware because it's not just um a, a sexual act that leads to breakdown it, it can be not putting your socks um away i to be really honest it's, it it breaks my heart when I witness adults behaving in childish, selfish, spoiled way. They want their own way and they don't fully consider or realise the impact that they're having on their husband or their wife or on their children, whatever age their children are. Divorce affects them massively. When your mum and dad break apart, it breaks your world apart too. And there is untold damage that goes on to innocent people when people fall into selfishness. So I would say to people, if it's possible, make, make your marriage work as far as it's possible. I've had people say to me, are you saying to me that I should stay with my wife and make her marriage work just for the sake of my children? And I say to them, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think that if you love your children, love your wife or love your husband. And as you love your husband or wife for the sake of your children, it just might well work out for you both as well. I think it's good for us to celebrate and be glad with those that have, have got longevity in marriage. But but I would say that just because you've been married for many years doesn't mean you've got a great marriage. Every marriage, every marriage needs work on. And I would love us all to have great marriages. You know, and, and it saddens me deeply when um, when the divorce rate. <clears throat> sorry, I'm emotional. When the divorce rate in a large part of the church, mainly the Western part of the church, is, is the church of Jesus. The divorce rate is the same as that which is in the world. We're in trouble. If, if the church is like that, we're in trouble. And it makes me ask the question, has the salt lost its saltiness? I pray that God will convict us of our sin, that he would lead us to forgiveness that he would lead us to reconciliation and that he would prune us down so that we can be more uh, fruitful people. Just want to say a few things about, about Jesus. Jesus is faithful. At the, at the beginning of John chapter 14, which I'll um, turn to, he says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also be, may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, no, we don't. She says, I am the way. The picture there um, is of the bridegroom. So in Jewish marriage, the, the marriage would be arranged. 
the, the bridegroom would then go off to his father's house to build a room on the side of the house to where uh, the new couple could then go and live. And he wouldn't be allowed to go back to get his bride until his father said, yep, son, job done, it's all good, well prepared. Then he could go back, get his bride and bring her home. That's what Jesus done for us. The church is the bride of Christ. He's gone home. He said he'll be back soon. He's preparing a place for us to be with him, to include. Jesus will return and the, the bride and the bridegroom will there'll be a glorious uh, wedding. Jesus is faithful. We should be faithful. God is faithful. Because of time, I won't go to it now, but if you just look at the first uh, few chapters of Hosea, Basically, the word of the Lord comes to Hosea. Hosea, I want you to ha get yourself an unfaithful wife and I, I want you to be faithful to her. I, in a sense, he's saying, I want you to be a, a living picture between me and Israel. I'm a faithful God. I'm a faithful husband, but my, my wife, Israel, the people of God, have been unfaithful to me. And so God, again, proves himself to be faithful. So we've got this faithful God and he wants us to be the same. I believe that Jesus wants us, his church, to be faithful people, soft hearted to God and to others who do married life well, who do married life differently from the culture that we live in so that we honour God and that we're a witness to God at work. I believe that God wants us to be different just different so that we've got uh, strong stable marriages loving godly marriages where where church can be built community can build family can be built a stable marriage is the best thing for raising children it enables them to grow strong and secure a worked on marriage builds godly identity into children where they know that they are loved where they know they're accepted where they can be disciplined and given good boundaries where they are safe and secure it's this a foundational building block for society and godly community having a mum and a dad that love god that love each other that forgive each other that bear with one another that support one another and that are committed to each other through the good times and the bad is the best foundation for children to be raised in remember what i said at the beginning no condemnation is meant i recognize that we have single parents in our church family and i want to say they what I went is they're doing an amazing job in raising their children. But I just feel like I need to speak out what is best and what is God's original design for the church. But absolutely no condemnation is meant. Admiration is there for those single parents. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this. Marriage should be honoured by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. We need to remember that God ultimately is the judge. God has got the ultimate opinion and decision of it all. 
we need to work out our salvation and our marriages and our singleness with fear and trembling if you've been convicted not condemned but convicted by the holy spirit with things that i've said or that have come to you um, i would encourage you to do business with god now because of time and maybe just because of where we are it might not be appropriate but i want to encourage you to get right with god to get sorted with god to get right with your wife to get right with your husband to work with god on your marriage to work with god on your singleness so i just pray that we would be those that recognize any sin sinful habits sinful patterns any lies that we're believing that we will be able to repent of them and confess them to somebody else that we know and trust uh, if you're a man to a man if you're a woman to a woman if you're a married couple to another married couple receive the forgiveness god's got for you rebuke any unclean spirits that have attached themselves and replace the lies the imaginations the fantasies the deception the unfaithfulness with god's truth seek god out while he may be found in jesus name amen